I'll digress. But last, but uh, last but not least, we have Armenia and Azerbaijan having another, perhaps final, fight over Nagorno-Karabakh. <clears throat> so, last week, a number of skirmishes broke out uh, over the territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. Now, this has been a long-standing conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. There have been numerous skirmishes ever since 2020, where they had their last war. Uh, Azerbaijan defeated the Armenian military, and then there was a peace that was brokered by Russia. Russia came in, they sent in peacekeepers to guard the ports and the entry points into both of the countries uh, and into Nagorno-Karabakh. And there's been a, a number of skirmishes ever since for these past, well, shoot, three years. But ever since then, well, not ever since then, but recently, very recently, and this happened last week, you had President Pashinyan of Armenia saying that the territory, oh, and he's referring to Nagorno-Karabakh, he made statements essentially recognizing the sovereignty of Nagorno-Karabakh uh, of Azerbaijan. He, let me rephrase that. He recognized Azerbaijani sovereignty over the territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. Azerbaijan seized on this and began moving their military into Nagorno-Karabakh. And there were skirmishes, there was bombings, there were shellings that took place. People did die and people did get hurt as they moved in. Uh, and so far, the Russian peacekeepers haven't intervened yet, or, well, that's what I wrote down, because uh, I didn't expect it to end so fast. So Russia's peacekeepers did not move in to stop this, and it's likely because of Pushinian's statements, uh, acknowledging Azerbaijani sovereignty over the territory, because if the territory is no longer disputed, well, then that's just the Azerbaijani military moving into Azerbaijani territory. Their military moving into their own territory, what's there to stop? You would undermine the legitimacy of the Russian peacekeepers if you stop them, especially after the guy who uh, nominally had sovereignty over Nagorno-Karabakh recognizes someone else's sovereignty over Nagorno-Karabakh. Azerbaijan seized on that moment and moved their military in. And just like how the Russian peacekeepers didn't come in because Pushinian uh, ceded the sovereignty of Nagorno-Karabakh to Azerbaijan, for similar reasons, the CSTO, the Collective Security Treaty Organization, likely won't get involved even if Armenia called for them, which it, uh, it didn't seem likely that they would. And then, well, when it was resolved, it was clear that they didn't. But even if they had called them, uh, you ceded the sovereignty of this territory to the guy who is now sending troops into the territory. So what's there to protect? Because it's not your territory, it's his. So why, why would we come in anyway? And so yeah, they didn't get involved. Russia's peacekeepers did not get involved. And they these are the, that was the, the sort of the information that I was prepared to give and I've sort of adjusted it on the fly since it the situation faded almost as fast as it came. Like, Azerbaijan now has full control over the territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. And 
it's brought a close to the conflict that I basically started my podcast with. I mean, this is the very first major topic that I talked about way back when This Week in Geopolitics first began. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Armenians are upset. They're, they're mad that Pushinian did that and then allowed this to happen. They're upset, upset. That guy might get lynched. <laughs> that guy might actually be a, a, in danger in his own country for what he did. Because as far as they're concerned, it's treason. You, you just handed over a piece of this territory that my son and my daughter and my father fought for just two years ago. Because remember, there was a whole war. We fought this war just two years ago. And here you go, handing the territory to the people we fought the war with. And we fought that war because they they intruded on Nagorno-Karabakh. And here, and here you are just handing it out on a silver platter. He has reason to fear for his life. Uh, that's what he has. He, he might have to go into exile. That, that guy might actually have to go into exile somewhere. Maybe he has to go to Belarus now instead of Prigozhin. <laughs> maybe, he'll, maybe he'll die in the plane crash too. But it's, it was very strange to uh, observe. I almost didn't have time to observe it. It was almost over by the time I took the time to learn what was going on here. I'm like, oh, just another skirmish in Nagorno-Karabakh. And then then, it, then uh, the information started coming out like, wait, wait a second. He gave them, well, he recognized their sovereignty over the territory. Um, that, Well, that's new. And, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, the Russians aren't going to stop them. The CSTO isn't going to stop them. Wow. Wow, you... You really did that. <laughs> that that was sort of the progression of my opinions on the matter as it was happening. But and now it's over. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Because the Armenians, if when they have a new government, and I mean, because it's parliamentary, so it's, when they elect new people, they might try to reopen the issue with their own military at some point. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure if the issue will or won't be resolved. But for the time being, I don't think Armenia is going to be able to win a war against Azerbaijan anyway. So you don't have a, a way. And now that Azerbaijan doesn't have to worry about this massive enclave in the middle of their land, um, they can consolidate their forces on their actual borders, their external borders rather than their internal borders. Meaning that the chances of Armenia beating Azerbaijan in a war are going to be even less in a few years' time. So, I think that this might actually have brought the war, the conflict, to a close for the foreseeable near future. I'll, I'll say that much. For the near future, the conflict is brought to a close. Now, this does open up the possibility that you can resolve the Nagorno-Karabakh issue by, I don't know, Russia, by joining the Russian Federation, having Azerbaijan and Armenia join the Russian Federation. And now, now uh, you're both a part of the same government, and the same government has jurisdiction over the territory. It's not the Armenian government, it's not the Azerbaijani government, it's a separate government, the Russian government, that you both trust. So, no one has an, a disproportionate advantage 
in the administration of the territory, and now it's an internal border rather than an external slash international border. Just throwing that out there as a possibility. You'd have to get through Georgia first, but uh, I don't know about those Georgians. But again, just, just throwing that out there. It's a possibility, you know. But yeah, it seems like this has been brought to a close. I mean, I started my podcast with this. This is the very first major topic I talked about. And it's a bit poetic, too, because uh, this it's the third anniversary of the podcast. This On this day that I'm talking about this event, it, this is the third anniversary of the podcast. So it's super duper poetic that it's the anniversary and we're talking about something that started the podcast. Well, that just brings a smile to your face, doesn't it? But... Uh, referring to America, uh, just notice something. Notice something very peculiar about this, right? Because remember all those statements that were given at the UN, right? Notice how this act of aggression, if you want to call it that, it's their territory, but if you want to call it that, notice how this act of aggression is not being peddled out to us as a threat to our democracy. Notice how we don't have to fight them over there, so we don't we don't have to fight the Azerbaijani menace over there, so we don't have to fight them over here. No, no, you you notice that? No. Notice how there's no vital U.S. interest that just magically appeared over there. I mean, what happened? To all that rhetoric about fighting illegal wars of imperialism. What happened to standing up to naked aggression today? to deter would-be aggressors tomorrow. I know I I know I said it just a few moments ago when I was talking about Biden's speech at the UN, but it really does seem like his speech is already ringing hollow as the former Soviet space continues a slow and steady process of consolidation. And it's been very interesting to watch. We, we've seen it from the Russian perspective, consolidating and securing their frontiers through cooperating with their neighbor states. But the interrelations uh, with the smaller states has been a very interesting development as well. Uh, we saw those skirmishes with Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan as well. And the attempted overthrow of the Kazakh government, which threw Kazakhstan straight into Russia's arms, even more than it already was. They they were playing with the idea of exerting a little bit of sovereignty, a little bit of independence. That threw any ideas of that out the window, because Russia's your, your best hope of having independence at all. So, yeah, it's been very interesting watching the consolidation process, uh, and it's also been interesting watching the smaller states and how they've done within that broader process of consolidation that the Russians have been doing in the former Soviet space. And it'll be uh, interesting to see where it ends and what the end of that process will even look like. Will we see the even greater Russian Federation, perhaps? Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, and Armenia, Azerbaijan? Hmm? Who knows? Who only time will tell. But that is the end of uh, the normal episode. So uh, I'll probably cut the recording uh, uh, in here and then pick up the the special edition, the special edition. But yeah.
This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.